I listened to a couple of the other ones because I know I know Tim Quirk and I also I know um, Steve Mitchell as well from both, both bands that I'd uh, toured with when I was in the Lemon Drops. Ah, right, right, right. I, I figured that. I figured that was a connection. And um, yeah, yeah. I think Steve was the one actually that uh, recommended you. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to have you on because I was actually I was I was definitely a fan of the uh, of your band of the Mighty Lemon Drops. Uh, oh well, nice one. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. This is That Record Got Me High. This is Rob Elba. Uh, before I do anything else, I just want to mention a patron. We have a brand new patron, Will Pierce. So welcome uh, to the Patreon family, Will. Uh, you too can become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. And uh, that would be great if you did that. And here we are, and I have a special guest, and I'm excited to have this dude on because I was a big fan of his band back in the day. Let's welcome to the show Mr. David Newton. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, yep, you're a musician, songwriter, and a producer, record producer. But uh, many of you would know him as the original member of the Mighty Lemon Drops, the British band Mighty Lemon Drops. And you guys... Um, I guess most uh, 90s, early 90s were your heyday? Um, yeah, well, uh, we kind of, we started in, we, we formed in, in 1985 and uh, we put out our first independent um, EP at the end of that year, early 86. And uh, then we actually got uh, picked up by a record label, a major label in summer of 1986 and we recorded our first album happy head which came out uh that same year the end of 1986 okay so late 80s yeah i was thinking early 90s but it was really more late 80s that's right because i was up in uh massachusetts boston massachusetts when i first heard you guys and uh all the radio stations bcn wfnx uh yeah you guys all the time and uh yeah that's great and all right, so the the record you brought us, uh, this is uh, this is great. I always love this when someone brings a band and record that I never heard of, and then you, I, yeah. I listen to it and I go, how did I never? How did I not? But this isn't just me though, right, uh, David? No, this isn't I just mean, me. well, it's it's funny because obviously they're a British band and they 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 were a lot more popular in the UK. And Europe, and they, they do have a cult following in, in the States over here. This is the band's The Boys, by the way, uh, from the UK. And, um, you know, they were, you know, I mean, if you want to go into their history, that, you know, they were one of the first UK punk bands. They, they were actually the first UK punk band to get a major record deal. They, they I, formed... I saw that. I, I saw that. And uh, that's amazing to me. Um... But, Funny because the, the the pistols are actually the, the the first. I mean, they they signed to EMI, but they, they actually got dropped. They had been dropped already, right? Yeah. So for a while, and I guess before the uh, Damned got there for a while, they were the one the, band well, that had damned, a, a deal, right? The Damned had a record out, but Stiff, Stiff Records was technically an independent label. Oh, right, right, right. And, uh, so uh, I mean, there was a couple of other kind of like proto punk bands, bands like Eddie and the Hot Rods, who I was a big fan of. Who, yes, I was going to mention them. I, I was going to mention them because I definitely hear similarities. Absolutely. I mean, that, that, the Hot Rods were. I mean, they're not really kind of um, what's the word like talked about in the way that a lot, a lot of bands are, but they, like. Bands like the Hot Rods and a band called Doctor Feelgood. Doctor Feel, like, that was the other band I was going to mention. You know, uh, a, um, a couple of weeks ago we had Hugo Burnham on uh, again. Oh, oh yeah, well, there you go. And, and he was chiding the U.S. Uh, the one thing that always bugged me a bit about the U.S. He said that we would we would not know about great bands, and he mentioned specifically Doctor Feelgood and and Free also Feelgood. that we would just miss totally miss you know these great bands that that were beloved there. So I guess this is another well, case you of know, that. It's funny that too because Andy Gill, Gang of Four's guitar player, was massively influenced by Dr. Feelgood's guitar player, Wilco Johnson. Yes. Where the sun down. 
had like the, the same kind of style. Uh, both played uh, like Telecasters in it. Well, actually, Andy Gill played a strap, but Fender guitars with that real kind of choppy, scratchy kind of style. And that was also a big influence on me, like, uh, but like both, uh, um, you know, uh, Gang of Four and uh, Dr. Feelgood, you know, the, the, the guitar kind of thing was right. in the early Mighty Lemon Drop sound. That was not what, not what I was trying to emulate, but it, they, they were kind of like what I, guitarists who I look up, looked up to and kind of, you know, kind of copied their style in some ways. Right. So you know, all right. So you've known about the, the boys from the start, right? From the beginning, you were you were young, obviously a uh, young guy. But but so you, you've always known about them. This wasn't a band that you discovered later on. Uh, it was no. It, it was kind of not like interesting growing up in in the UK. And um, I was born in 1964, and uh, like my pre-teenage years, like early mid 70s, were like. Um, you know, it was a, a fun time in England, really, because, you know, uh, before punk, we had like, you know, uh, there, there was a lot of like things like there's obviously glam rock with bands like Sweet and uh, Slade uh, and all that. And uh, which which when I was a kid, that's the first records that I bought were were those type of records, you know. Right, and, right. And all that. And uh, obviously, like Bowie and uh, and stuff like that, which was it was all like top forty stuff in in the UK, right? And, um, but it was good because like we had, you know, I mean, I guess BBC Radio One is was much maligned really at, at the time, but it was great because the radio was kind of unformatted, so you'd get you get everything from like glam and glitter rock to like to soul, to disco, to, to like... Um, right, right, right. You, you wouldn't really get progressive rock during the daytime. you get that in, in the evening, kind of, in the shows, like John yeah. Peel and stuff, who would come on in the kind of darker hours, who'd play, who'd play the more kind of progressive and like that kind of stuff. But um, but it was great, so it was like kind of leading up to, to punk, you know. And um, Yeah, but but that's good. Yeah. That That's interesting, because here in the US, it was more separated you'd have the soul station you'd have the you yeah. know the r&b station you'd have the 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 rock station so yeah that's that, that that's great that you got to yeah to I, a lot I, more. Was, I, I wasn't aware of that until i until i came here and uh right and then realized that there were like you know kind of classic rock stations and you know kind of the top 40 stations and blah 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 so that was kind of one of the benefits really in a way it was kind of nice because you got you know you got access to to everything right right um okay so the the main guys we got first of all the 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 band name the the the, the uh band members names are awesome they're so rock and roll <laughs> obviously not <laughs> matt dangerfield and we got kid reed and we got honest john plain uh the guitar player yeah. and you got on piano what's the piano player's name Casino Steel. <laughs> Casino Steel. That almost sounds like <laughs> okay. a, a, like a porn star, like an uh, American <laughs> porn star, maybe or something. And then Jack yeah. Jack Black on the drums. Jack Black. Yeah, that's actually not his real. It's not Casino. Casino Steel's not his real name. I, I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, ca Casino Steel was actually in before. Like again, like there was a, um, a like a British kind of not equivalent to the New York Dolls, but a band that were very similar doing the same thing at the same time called the, um, the, the Hollywood brats. Yes. And, I, right. I saw that Hollywood brat and then didn't, and Matt Dangerfield was in London. London SS. SS. Yes. London SS. Yeah, which was, right. Well, which, no, no, good. Yeah. I, I know they also, uh, Mick Jones and Terry Chimes at one point from the clash were in, uh, were in that band. Right? Yeah. A couple of members of the dams and like, right. Brian lots James. of people kind of floated through like, I don't think London SS, they weren't really a, a popular or successful band. They, they I think they, there's no recordings exist. So that was kind of the, you know, the, um, they're, they're all still young, young guys really though, because the, like the Hollywood Brats and uh, London SS, they're all in, in their teens, like late teens. Right, right. And uh, a couple of the, when, you know, so the, the boys basically, I think the London SS thing was in the mid late seventies and, uh, after that, I think because uh, Matt Dangerfield from who went on to be in the Boys was also in was in London SS, and I think Casino Steel Cass who was also had been in the Hollywood Brats. They were the two founding members of uh, of the boy of what became the Boys, 
And uh, I think um, one of them, I think, I think Matt had a, a friend from, he's from Leeds, I think, in Yorkshire or somewhere. And he had a friend, uh, Honest John, John Plain, who, who was on guitar. And I think John had two mates who worked, they worked at like a, I think it was a t-shirt printing factory or something. Um, who they, and that basically became The Boys. And they, that was like mid-1976. Right, yeah, that, that, that's when it says London formed in '76, and this so this record we're talking about is their second record. Uh, that was their yeah, all turns in. The first album came out in the because they were the first band to they got a record deal, I think, in January '77. They did their first album, which is also really good. It is good. Called, I was listening to it earlier today, and it is also really good. It's good, and uh, so that was mid '77, and then they recorded the album that. We're going to talk about alternative chartbusters at the end of '77, I think December, and it was released in I think March or April 1978. Right, '78, and um, yeah, what a it's such a great, uh, it's so great because it's it's a it's a blending, it's it you know it it's punk, but you could tell they uh, their roots were the I guess they called it a pub rock. Um, so you've got that, but you've got the, the pop, like the power pop, which would later, you know, come up and there'd be all these power pop bands, but, um, just like these great, great songs, um, great delivery. And the thing that sets them apart, they have that uh, two guitar, that dual guitar thing that the, like the buzzcocks and the undertones and bands like that. But the piano, a casino steals piano sort of adds uh, a whole different, uh, you know, a whole different vibe to everything and a different element. Does, yeah, he was actually Matt and um, and Cas Casino were the two the two main songwriters. J- John Plain also wrote uh, a few too. Okay, but um, they were the kind of the the, the, the Lennon and McCartney in a way, I right. guess of of of, of, uh, of the band. Right, and and the one uh, the uh, another band they remind me of sort of which I was also a big fan of. I uh, you know I remember getting their uh, bootlegs, uh, not bootlegs. Import, you know, a lot of this uh, stuff. I, I, when I was young, me and you were about the same age, by the way, too. We were born uh, uh, at the same time, and um, the uh, Boomtown Rats. Uh, also, <laughs> even though they were punk, but they had that piano, and and they really weren't punk. I mean, I guess they were in a way, but but not really. There was a lot more uh, other stuff going on there too. I think you know, it's funny. I think I think the Boomtown Rats in the like I think they were, again formed in 75, 76. I think they were a little like kind of Bruce Springsteen in the East Street. Yes, yes, for sure. Yes. <laughs> you can, if you listen back to the first album, you can hear elements of that. Oh yeah, there. with the uh, with the saxophone and the piano. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's but it's but it's not punk. <laughs> yeah, no. but they they kind of like you know they they got their their skinny ties and their tight tight jeans and uh, right right you know. like the uh, police the same thing the police you know the uh, punk was big when they came out so they said okay we'll be punk we're a punk band and uh, absolutely but, yeah but not really I know, yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I was like twelve and thirteen years old I couldn't really tell the difference between right yeah and and then yeah. and that's fine I don't know labels who needs labels genres what does it care either they're you know they're a great band they have great songs or they don't and this uh yeah this record i've just been uh you know since you told me we were doing it and i've been listening to it for the past couple of weeks and it's just so good it is just uh, the songs are great and uh the delivery and also just the sound the uh, guitar sounds are really good on it right yeah it's great they 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 produced it themselves as well i think i think the, the first two albums they they just went in and did them really quick and you know they're uh you know, I know, yeah, it yeah, really it is. is. All right, so let's get in, uh, let's start listening to the record. Let's get the opening track. This uh, is my favorite, by the way. If, if my, one of my old, not only is my favorite track from this album, it's, it's quite possibly one of my favorite records of all time. Nice. Uh, is it Brickfield Nights? Saturday was the local cinema night 
so it starts with that uh, Hal Blaine uh, "Be My Baby" uh, drum intro, right? Yeah, I love that. It's like uh, so Doc Phil Phil Spector kind of exactly, uh, exactly, and used yeah, and so yeah. much, uh, and they use it again even later in the record. On this record, they have it uh, one more time in another song. But you know, <laughs> they do. They do. Why not? Absolutely. Why? Why not? So this it's it's a su- surprisingly sweet. Uh, innocent mostly innocent account of like teenage nights but i was going to ask you brickfield brickfield's not a place right is it sort of a describing a type of place it it, it actually um according to the matt dangerfield who wrote the song it um it was it's a place near where he grew up and it was it's kind of kind of true it's about his youth it's about you know uh, brickfield was like a park where you know, there's so many great lines in that song. Like my, my favorite line is, um, where, "Then the girls came with their long hair, their high heels, and their makeup never quite right." Yeah, the makeup really never like. quite right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but it's very like I said, we we carved our initials in the school wall, so vandalism, a little bit of mild vandalism, but nothing that bad there. <laughs> really bad. It's definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I, I sort of found them as a whole not as angry as a lot of the other punks of the time. They didn't. They don't. See, they didn't seem as as angry. It's really funny because uh, in um, it, it, I think it was like April of nineteen seventy eight. We had a cool teacher at school who took us to. There was a famous. It was a Rock Against Racism rally in London where the Clash played and oh right Robinson yeah it's. Yeah, it, it, famous. It's you can, it's on YouTube and you, you can um, it's in the movie The Clashes movie Rude Boy. There's footage of that, right? And uh, and it's really funny because I, I I grew up in Wolverhampton, which is about two hours from London, and uh, we, we there was a, a handful of us teenagers from school from high school got on this coach with all these like, older kids, and uh, they were all like uh, there was all, a load of lads, and then there was a load of girls sitting at the back. And all the girls were singing Brickfield Nights by the boys, and the guys were making fun of them, saying, "Oh, you girls, your your teeny bopper poppy punks." <laughs> and I just remember thinking at the time, you know what? I'm I'm with the girls. Ah, I'm with the right, girls. right. It's brilliant. <laughs> That's great. Um, okay, so now uh, then we get into the uh, second song here. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of USI. <laughs> you would know so this this is the first song was was innocent this one's not so innocent i guess but but i couldn't i couldn't figure out even trying googling what exactly usi stands for what does it stand for did you figure it out well underage i'm assuming the u is underage underage sexual intercourse ah i i never would have gotten you know, here's another. I, I I didn't figure that one out till I was about I was about forty three. No, so, so oh, right, seventeen right. or eighteen. No, at the time I was like, I just thought it was like three letters. I didn't realize what it what it was about. But uh, it's funny, really, because it's it's it, it's not unpolitically, it's not politically incorrect, but. It's like I, I think you know times have changed, and uh, yes, you know, <laughs> sure. they, they, they were they were very young as well at the time, you know. So it was it just kind of I guess to them felt not inappropriate. To, to, it's not like uh, Gary know. Glitter singing it or something like that, where it would be more inappropriate. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That's, that's not good. Let's not go there. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. It's not, but they're young guys and singing about it, so it's more like just like a rock and roll trope thing, you know. And uh, all right, so now we get one you had um, 
you had mentioned that uh, a couple other, uh, um, most of the songs were written by Dangerfield and Steele. Uh, this next one was written yep. by Kid Reed and uh, sung, um, which, oh, and sung by him. He sings this next one, right? Which song is this? Is this? Uh, this is Taking on the World. <laughs> Duncan Reed, that's his real name. Oh, okay. His real name's not Kid. <laughs> he was the youngest one at the time. He's not so much a kid anymore. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> this this is one that definitely reminded me of the undertones. I definitely had that same, you know, that that same undertones vibe, which is great. Which is another band that I that I love. You know, it's funny because there's a song that's coming up later. The undertones actually covered and played it live. Oh, really? Uh, well, I'll point that out when we get to it. Okay, nice, nice. Um, but yeah, this is another one, Taking on the World. This is uh, like, unlike like the Sex Pistols and the Clash, their discontent was more like internal discontent. They didn't seem, the boys didn't seem like they were they were lashing out at everything and lashing out at, at the world really as much. I don't think they were. I mean, I'm sure that, you know... I'd, What's the word? Not personal politics, or, or but um, you know they 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 weren't really a, a, an overly political band in their in their music, you know. And right. I mean they they and it's funny because at the time they they were you know um, there were obviously bands like the, the way more political bands like the Clash and the Tom Robinson band and stuff like that. But uh, the the other boys were were you know. A lot of like buzzcocks in a way, singing about love songs and uh, right, Ex- uh, yes, exactly. Which is which is great, and uh, the undertones too. I mean, they didn't, and they were from where the undertones were from, uh, a dairy, right? So they definitely could have uh, sung about uh, political things if they wanted to, but they just didn't want. You to. know, they did, yeah. And well, and the especially the later band, uh, that petrol emotion, which came from. Oh yes, that's under- right. That's right. Yes. Uh, that was that was kind of what the the O'Neill brothers kind of really wanted to. Oh, you get the okay. impression that's what they really wanted to be doing. But again, they were really young when they were in the undertones. They were they were I think they were teenagers they were again. Kids. Yeah, yeah. They all these kids. kids, all these bands were kids. Right, yeah. right. Um, all right, so now they cover a, a bolero mambo song, right? Ah. <laughs> by Amer- because of course, why would you not, right? <laughs> Again, I didn't know. I knew it was a cover, but I didn't know what it was. But right. it's funny that even here in the states, I'll go into like supermarkets and I'll hear the below the original version. Oh, you'll hear Sway. You go, I know that. That's Sway. Um, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I give them credit though. It's great because a lot of punk bands of the time would cover a song like that, but they would just totally 
punk it out with power chords and not, but they don't do that. They still keep kind of the flavor of the song and everything. And you could tell they're, they're really, they're not doing it as a joke. They're doing it because they're, because they're really fans of it, I think. Well, I think if you if you compare the first Boys album, the first one is it's kind of like it's 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 melodic, but it's it's a thrashy punk album. Whereas right. this album, it was even though it was still only like December of the same year, nineteen seventy seven. You know, they they kind of sort of moved on a little and thought, you know what, we're you know I can't speak for them, but you almost got the impression that they felt that they were a pop band. You know, a pop band with loud guitars. Oh they, yeah, yeah. The punk band, you know, there was, right. you know, melodies, and and they they just wanted that's what they wanted to do. So I think that's you know, I think it was refreshing, and that's what kind of struck me when when I first, you know, I, I, it's funny because I, I, how I first got the album was I, I borrowed it from from uh, Wolverhampton Public Library. Oh, they, wow. they had a section where you could, you know, because I was still a teenager and I was on, you know pocket allowance pocket money for my parents so albums are kind of expensive so i would buy more 45s and singles right but you could go to our local public library and borrow and uh, albums and that's how i first got alternative chartbusters was uh it, weirdly there must have been some hip person who worked at the library who decided to buy a load of punk albums for the library which right, is great right. <laughs> uh, and that's how i got that's how i first got alternative chartbusters and I, you know, I, I took it home and I played it, and I couldn't believe how great and how melodic it was. And I, I, I played it constantly for. I think you were allowed to keep uh, records or books for I think two weeks. Oh, I was going to say you, you, you like how to bring it back though. That kind of sucked, right? Then, then I had to take it back, and you couldn't take it out the following day. So what I did was I went back again one day later and borrowed it again for another two weeks. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, until I'd eventually saved up enough money to actually buy my own copper. See, now that's great. See, kids today they just go online and they get something instantly. That's why I, I don't. I, I hate to sound like an old guy, but it, it's like too easy now to, to hear music. I, I really, I really believe that. It's good. It's good in some ways, but in other ways, it's like you know, you had to kind of, you know, it was, you know, frustrating at the time, but looking back, it was kind of nice and it was like rewarding when you could yeah and you would also spend more time me and actually me and me and barry had talked about this before when you got a record you put more time into it because you invested like especially if you bought it you paid money for it you like really listened to it because you wanted to get your money's worth out of it but now you can go online and listen to a song for like 10 seconds and say nah i don't like that and then that's it but you wouldn't do that (laughs) Yep. Right. Uh, all right. We we definitely sound like a couple of old guys complaining about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so this next song, uh, do the contract. <laughs> to sign a record contract so i was wondering if that if this is like a because it sounds almost like they're uh, a disgruntled even though this is only their second album they're already kind of uh, disgruntled about the whole contract thing and signing the contract i don't know well you know it's funny you say that because that's exactly what will happen because the label they signed to was nems which was part of the nems was the company that basically managed and looked after the beatles affairs and oh. the record the, the record so like it was um uh brian epstein was was nems and uh and uh basically the the record side of it was kind of like kind of on its way down and i, I think i mean i can't speak for the band but i think they were kind of um 
you know, impressed by the fact that something connected with someone like the Beatles was interested in their band, which yeah, is why they of course. Why would you not be? To that label? But it was a really they, they realized within no time that it was a really shitty label that was on its way down and uh, was going under, and and they'd already you know figured that out. And I, I'm I'm pretty sure that's what this song do the contract. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's doing it. It's the latest dance. No fancy footworks. Just shaking hands. Put your trust yeah. in me, boy. I'll see you right. Gonna make you a big star. Put you up in lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, That's story as old as time, right? Absolutely. They promise you the world. All right. So speaking of the Beatles, a lot. I feel like a a lot of punk bands, especially at the time, probably couldn't even if they were fans of the Beatles they just wouldn't say they were you know de- fans of the Beatles but you could tell these guys are Beatles fans I think and you I hear some Beatle chords in this next one for sure uh I think, I think yeah and I think there's like kinks in there and there's like there's stones in there oh yeah right right with the piano yes yeah, really pretty piano now I'm asking this next one I'm talking about is heroin the song heroin Anytime when I see we do records all the time, when I see heroin, I think of the other heroin. But and then I'm thinking, (laughs) well, no, it's about a heroin from a movie. But then when I really read the lyrics, I'm thinking, do you think they still sort of had a double meaning in there somewhere? I think that's possible. I've wondered that myself. I don't don't know. They could. They could be. When I needed, yeah, yeah, because when he needed you, you arrived on cue. Uh, you know, so this is like someone, you know, the, that heroin came along because obviously at that time it was already starting and it was a thing and it's, and you know, we've gone on and on of how many musicians lives were, were ruined by it or, you know, almost destroyed by it or were destroyed by it. And well, um, I, think, I think too, because I mean, it's, it's pretty much a known fact that in the UK punk circles, it was, it was the heartbreak, Johnny Thunders and the heartbreakers that brought basically hard drugs into the UK. Yeah. Oh, bastards. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of a pretty well, well-documented fact. And, uh, you know, and I mean, that's pretty much how the likes of, I know Sid Vicious and all that yes. kind of got, got involved in, in, I mean, I, I don't know, I wasn't there, but, but that's, that's what you kind of hear. And that's yeah. the impression that I got. And maybe that's the double meaning of that, of this song. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, let's say that. No one. Uh, if anyone in the band and uh, boys wants to get in touch with us and uh, say we're full of shit, go ahead. You can. Uh, you can contact. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> All right. So now we get uh, another Kid Reed vocal. I. I like also how they trade off uh, vocals and. Um, but it. But it all still sounds very cohesive. And and they and they they yep. do a lot of group singing together too, which is great. And they they have a lot of great harmonies. They do, yeah. It's funny because uh, Matt and Kid Duncan, uh, the, their voices are kind of they kind of similar, and it's kind of hard to 
sometimes tell who's uh, who's doing who. I know I didn't even realize that at first until I looked at deep yeah. into the same into with the me. Line. Yeah, the only reason I knew when I'm reading, him, I go, oh, okay, that's not the same guy because I could have easily but, said, oh yeah, it's the same guy singing every song. Uh, exactly right. But, uh, Honest John sings a couple of songs, but you can totally his voice is totally different. Yes, you can tell. Yes, from, right. <laughs> so uh, not ready pretty easy to tell what it's about i'm not ready uh too young to go steady more like i mean that's pretty much like what the the first album was was like uh like not ready and uh the songs like a, that right songs like that yeah which is just a good kind of short you know brief that's you know yeah, pump, you know, pump, pump started people just wanted to you know jump up and that sound like an old old git saying it but you know in in the in, that, in those punk days but uh, it is. I mean, people just wanted to jump up and down, didn't they? And and you know exactly. And and we didn't even we didn't, we didn't mention the Ramones yet, but they were obviously big fans of Ramones. It's funny, and, I, and they actually name checked them in a song coming up. Well, I didn't see. It's funny. The first time I saw the boys, I didn't see them until um, uh, it was January 1980. They were, they they did a full tour opening for the Ramones in the UK. Oh, okay. That was um, when they toured with the Ramones in in eighty. In 1980, yeah, oh. and uh, that was it was my first Ramones gig and my first boys gig as well. I'm so jealous. Was... I'm so jealous. That sounds like this episode of That Record Got Me High is brought to you by our patrons. What is Patreon? Patreon is a platform that makes it easy for you to support things that you love. How do you support the show? Just go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh, pick a membership level and become a patron of the show. It's fun. It's, well, I don't know how fun it is, really, but uh, it really helps out, and we appreciate you, and we have special patron-curated episodes, and we send out newsletters, and uh, it is fun. Let's. I'm just going to go on record as saying it's kind of fun. So uh, go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron today. Into it. Um, we're, it's perfect timing because we're uh, flipping over the record. Side B, and now we got a classified Susie. And I was gonna ask you because uh, the Stranglers had a song "Choosy Susie," and the <laughs> and the Ramones, of course, had "Susie is a Headbanger." Susie, what is it with Susie? Susie's, I know, yeah, and there's, punk bands. There's a lot more, to, a lot more Susie. There, songs there are, yeah. There's, there's other Susie <laughs> uh, songs. <laughs> song it's got like a i love the, the, the guitar and it's got a kind of great hook and it's i yes. think it's tongue in cheek you know and it's 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 you know it's basically about a about a hooker yeah <laughs> like, or, or a or a housewife a really bored housewife maybe 
Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, ACDC. She's not choosy. I love with their accents, they make the ACDC and she's not choosy. They make it kind of rhyme. (laughs) It rhymes. Yeah. 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 You guys, yeah, you guys could do that. I don't, with me, it just, it wouldn't even be close. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But uh, this, yeah, as you were saying, this song has like three different killer hooks that could have been great on their own. And it's got like three different ones. It's just super catchy and uh, really great. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it's like great songwriting. It's kind of like, you know, even though it's it still, you know, comes under, I guess, punk new wave or whatever you want to call it. It's, it is, it's the, the it's the songs that, that really make this album. I think what, what got me, from the get go, you know. Yeah. And and it's like I, I say this so many times, but people say, Oh, it's it's simple, but it's like simple, but it's like that's not easy. You know, you you think you could write a song like that just because it's simple and doesn't have that many chords, it's not, you know, that's like the hardest thing to to it write is, like a it, really great pop song. It's not. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. I agree. It's not. All right. So now, so now speaking of the Ramones, this is their tribute to the Ramones. And and you, so TC, this is a, a TCP, and I guess you knew what that, because I had to look it up and Google it, what it is, but you yeah, already it was, knew what uh, it is. It's sort of like, uh, what would you call it? Not like an antiseptic that it was quite, people would put like, kids especially, you would put it on if you had like spots or if you had um, acne. Yeah. It was... <laughs> <laughs> it it, 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 it cured his acne, made him pimple free. It was the inexpensive way of, uh, you know, because it was like about, I don't know, like 65p a bottle as opposed to spending like pounds on the, some expensive stuff from the pharmacy. Just buy a bottle of TCP and you could do, you know, clean your, you know, the shine your uh, jewelry with it as well and do all sorts of things. Right, with TCP. right. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I just think it's brilliant. Like this is 19... 19- 78 this is still early in the thick of it and they're mentioning they uh, they do johnny joey tommy dd tcp will leave you pimple free i mean they're name checking the ramones in 1978 that's pretty cool i mean that's 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 badass absolutely it was funny because when i saw them play with the ramones they did they did tcp as well of course Um, how would you not And also, uh, the, uh, did I mention the undertones covered covered the TCP? Oh, as this well. is that's a song I I could totally hear the uh, undertones. I saw them in I think it was 1979. I, I first saw the undertones, and they played it like, and it, for, for me it was like, ah, it's the boys. <laughs> I know that's great. <laughs> that's so good. So uh, the boys now, all right. So they're basically so basically. If I'm talking to other. Uh, musicians of around the same age and everything they're going to know the boys this is this is just a thing that we don't know about them here in in the u.s uh-huh. right okay. they've never really they, they didn't come over at the time because they didn't have an american record deal they they, they had bad luck with record labels that right the, like i said earlier the first label nems was really shitty and and they, they, they're on a label called safari for their third and fourth albums which i don't think got domestic u.s releases either but you, you, you see the records over here on import quite a bit, but they have more of a following now, like they seem to, like over the years. I think they did play some East Coast dates in like the early 80s, I think. There were some of the last shows that they did, but they certainly didn't get over here to the West Coast. And uh, 
but there's there's talk of like maybe I know possibly even now because the you know the, the they seem to have um, not uh, what's the word not resurgence but there's a lot of mo- there's a lot of interest in them over here now and yeah I I I saw that they're still sort of playing and they've been making music kind of recently and that's that's awesome to see that yeah. I was uh, I was kind of shocked to see that but that's great yeah no yeah so but yeah but at the time you know it was they were an underground you know thing in the US. they were known in the US but they never had domestic releases so. right right. All right. Well, hopefully they'll be more more known after this episode. Uh, and now we got um, this this one especially definitely had a Eddie and the Hot Rods uh, vibe uh, for me on uh, Neighborhood Brats. <laughs> on the album my other favorites on the album that's that's kind of a you know an ode to the 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 you know cassie's previous band the hollywood the hollywood brats oh okay 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 that's kind awesome. of a nod kind of a nod to that i don't think it's like not a, not so not autobiographical or anything but it's just like a, a kind of a nod and a wink to you know to to the brats right and and then and they have a great little stinger in there uh, when they at, at the end of the second uh, chorus when they go neighborhood brats neighborhood brats churchgoers hide when they pass and then and, and then, then he, he kissed, kissed me that, from the crystals and and then he kissed me the little throw in there that's like so great <laughs> and that's that's also a, a nod to uh, the Hollywood brats because they covered well they, then he kissed me which then, is oh some, they did oh that's great so it's a total which was also quite good. Because uh, Andrew Matheson, who's male, sang it. Then he kissed me as well, which was it, like not, not kind of con- not controversial, but you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> like uh, Captain Sensible doing a uh, um, a Jet Boy Jet Girl, I guess something like that. Oh, well, absolutely! There you go. <laughs> right? There you go. Yeah. Uh, all right. So now we get uh, another surprisingly um, uh, sweet take on a, something that could have been much more lurid backstage. The whole backstage pass thing. But this is actually in the style of like a girl group type tearjerker song. As is Brickfield Nights, it's got that same Phil Spector. Yes, yes, of, yes. Shangri Las, the Ronettes, yes. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Right, so, and, and I love, yeah, Backstage Pass, I, I love also, again, they're throwing in these references that are like going on right right then. When all the punk bands will all sound secondhand, I'll still be loving it. Yeah, and then he mentions Johnny when Johnny Rotten has been forgotten, been forgotten. which, which by the way, he 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 rhymed Rotten and Forgotten before uh, Neil oh, yeah. Young. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and he kind of mentions Boomtown Nuts. He does. He mentions all the rats in Boomtown, which I got very excited. Uh, and then the uh, jam. Uh, <laughs> You've had all the jam, even Paul's old man in yeah. their brand Mercedes van. Yeah, so that's a little dig at, at the jam, right? No, I don't think it's a dig. I think it's just a kind of a <laughs> oh, wink okay. and a, a nod, you know? Because uh, actually, a little bit of trivia I found on the rear cover of the jam's Ahmad Khan's Paul Weller's yep. uh, Rickenbacker has a boy sticker. Yeah, absolutely. You, you beat me to it. I was about ah, to say. Sorry, I'm sorry. There's a great photo if you if you look. Uh, I'll I'll find it and send it to you. Of um, at the there's a a punk festival in France in the summer of '77, Mont de Marsan, and there's a great picture of uh, Paul Weller, uh, Duncan Kidreed from the Boys, and I think Bruce Fox and all sitting together watching some band. Oh, nice. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, please send that to me and it's I'll share fun, it. Uh, so they, they they definitely knew each other. So I don't think that was a jibe. I think okay, that was a, Okay, well, that's good to hear. That's nice to hear. Although Johnny Rotten, maybe maybe that was meant to be a jibe to Johnny Rotten. Probably, not- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Johnny Rotten cared by that. Too. I don't think so. He's been also, he's very hard to get along with. He's brilliant, but uh, seems like a very hard guy to get along with. <laughs> you know, he's Funny because living, you know, I've lived in here now for 25, 26 years in Los Angeles, and I see him around quite a bit, you know. And he's, um, you know, I, I, I actually chatted to him. Um, the, the, the Pistols did. Uh, it was God, wow, well, about ten, actually about fifteen years ago now. Right. And uh, yeah, he, he was all right. I really didn't expect that he would be, but I don't know how I got talking to him. But I was talking to him for about half an hour. Okay, uh, nice. Yeah, so I mean, Steve Jones is like the 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 everyman who's like everybody gets along with him. But I always thought Rotten would be really awkward and be like kind of snooty and up. But I was quite I was surprised. Well, that's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. That's nice to hear. Well, you're you're a very easy guy to talk to. Maybe if someone maybe <laughs> if like I tried to talk to him, he'd probably blow me off. Tell me to fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> Thank uh, you. All right. So uh, talking this next one. Uh, talking basically. Uh, Talk is cheap, right? Uh, and um, uh-huh. yeah, again, this one. Just again, I have to mention the uh, guitar tone on 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 this record are so great because it's that. I guess it's that uh, Doctor Feelgood, like just the yeah. right amount of of clean fuzz, where it's like slightly distorted but still kind of yeah. clean, and and it's so great. <laughs> Because I, I never saw them this early on, but I've seen like pictures, and uh, they have like like uh, Matt Dangerfield, the one guitar player. He has like like a 1950s um, Gibson, like the Les Paul Junior, the one pickup one. Oh, and okay. Does that plug straight into like I think it's like a Fender or a Marshall kind of combo? You know, there's like and same with uh, John, the other guitar player. You know, it, it's <clears throat> I think it's just like classic basic. Kind of instruments, you know, nothing. Okay, all right. It's not, yeah, because well, you as a guitar player, you know, and that like you could give you could give a guitar and amp setup to two different guitar players, and they'll make it sound completely different because it is a lot oh, no, of the sure. playing. Yeah, for sure. Well, doing what I do in the studio as well, I, I know it, it's it's kind of hard sometimes because <clears throat> two people, like you said, can make the same guitar and the same setup sound completely different. Right, right. And you can't just say, oh, I want to sound like him. And it's like, well, all right, well, this is what he's using. But it's like, good luck, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's I know. A lot of time. Maybe you can get close, but uh, yeah. It's kind of, well, it's kind of fun, though. It's a fun part of my job doing what I do is you try and get get the best out of people. And you see, you, you play on their strengths and like you kind of like steer them away from their, you know, not, not weaknesses, but, you know, everybody has their shortcomings. And right. you try and like, you got to focus and play on what they're good at. You know, rather than, you know. Well, that's to, great. That's a, a producer. You sound like that's like a real producer. That's actually what producers <laughs> do. <laughs> Some producers are just all about ego and all about b- bringing people down. And 
<laughs> but you're right. What what you just described is the true uh, is the true job. Well, of look, it's funny because when I, when I moved to LA in '95, it was still at the tail end of the, the you know the, the hair metal thing, and a lot, a lot of the studios were run by like older disgruntled like ex guys who'd been in those bands oh. in the '80s. Oh my god! <laughs> and, and were completely out of step with what was going on in the post Nirvana world and all these like new right. young bands who were like influenced by that. And when I started my own studio, my, my one of my goals was to kind of like empathize and, you know, get, try and be a good guy to those, those kind of people who'd had bad experiences working with these, these old jaded kind of rock dudes. Yes. You know, cause I, <laughs> You know, I, I don't think it matters if you can't play your instrument that well. I think if you've got the idea there, I'd try and it's better to get something out of them than some jaded guy who can like run up and down the fretboard really fast and but can't write a tune to save his life. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree with you. I've um, always been more about that. <laughs> All right, so yeah. now we uh now we get to the end of the record, we get cast up thousands. This is actually one of my favorite songs. It's great. You know what it reminds me of? It's like a less fascistic take on Queens, like We Are the Champions. It's like that. It's like oh. that type of song, but it's more everyman. And and what's the uh the, the cheering at the beginning? Is that from a football match? I think that actually part of it is, and I think it's some of it was done with because the album was recorded at Rockfield Studios in Wales. It's kind of great for me because it's where, uh, the, when I was in the Mighty Lemon Drops, we actually did two two of our albums at uh, Rockfield Studios. It's like um, oh, it's, wow, one of the, nice. it's one of the first ever residential recording studios in, in the UK. It's in the Welsh countryside. And there's two studios right next to each other. And the fun part of recording there is you always have, there's another band recording in, in the, the opposite studio. And um, I think when the boys did this, I can't remember who their neighbours were, but they're definitely doing some of the chanting and some of the, because there's the, we are the champions. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, I think I think it was a band, I think Deaf School, I think it was the band that, that is, um, I think they're credited on the oh, album. okay. But, um, but yeah, but uh, God, when the Lemon Drops were there, I mean, some of our neighbours, like we had... Um, it was there. We had the chameleons were there at one point, and then another time that petrol emotion. Oh wow! Oh god, we had um, we had lots of bands. It was, it was always good. There was always somebody, somebody fun. Next, now, next. And and this is in Wales, right? Now that you know the previous yeah. episode that that we did, I did actually. You're you're not going to believe this. I we did a a, a a rush record, Hemispheres, which was recorded in Wales. I wonder. You don't think it could have been at one of those studios, was it? I think that was done at Rockfield. Yeah. Yes, it was. I, oh my I, god, that's I, so funny. I'm not. I, I, I'm fairly sure. There's a there's a documentary that came out this year on Rockfield. Uh, and uh, it was on. Uh, I watched it. It was on cable. I'm sure oh, okay. you can definitely find it. But um, 
Uh, it was supposed to debut um, last year at South by Southwest, but obviously South by actually South by Southwest has been cancelled two years running now. Yes. But, um, I, which I, I actually, my wife works in the industry, so she goes for work. But I usually tag along because to go to South by because it's good for me because I can see a year's worth of bands in five days. Right, right, and, uh, right. So I, I normally like to be in bed by about eight, nine o'clock. So rather than staying out all night, <laughs> like, so, I hear that you. myself that's so ideal for, for an old. <laughs> Uh, JD don't get like me, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, JD don't get, but you really, uh, you really brought a great record uh, to talk about, and I'm so, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to like share this with people. And I know people that are into like um, power pop bands and things, and may not have, do not know the the boys and alternative chartbusters. So uh, I'm really glad that we did this, and also, uh, so everyone should know, I got uh, the the boys. Their music is available on. Bandcamp, and I usually, I always, whenever we do an episode, I try and go to Bandcamp first because I figured that's the most way. The I figured the artist w- will get money uh, the most way through something like that. Uh, so it's the uh, yeah. the the boysmusic.bandcamp.com is where you could find this and uh, and other music and then more recent stuff that they've done. So I would definitely uh, recommend that. And they also have a website still going. That's um, theboys.co.uk. They do. They, I think they have they, they they have show schedule which I cancel, but I think they <laughs> they're just rescheduling them again. I think they do really well in Europe, and they actually they went to South America. They went to China a few years oh, that's ago. That's great. They, that's great to hear that. Is, you know, it's kind of it's still it's 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 global now, which is which is great for them. You know, they're not young young kids anymore, but. Uh, they're still, you know, they're yeah. still out there. David, why don't we bring them? Why don't we bring them to US and do a mighty uh, reform, mighty lemon drops, uh, boys tour? Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> right. All right. Well, I'm putting yep. it out there. What? <laughs> All right. So, uh, David, if if someone wants to check out what's going on with you, anything where someone can go that you'd want to check out, anything you've been working on lately or maybe working on soon? Um, well, I've got the. Uh, I actually put my own record out last year, and I've, I've, my current project's called The Mighty Angels. And uh, I, I actually it was a partly a pandemic thing I had because I'd put an EP out a few years ago, and uh, I had you know a half a dozen other songs that I never finished, and you know being stuck at home and the studio being quiet, I finished them up and I, I put an album out in August last year called A Gateway to a Lifetime of Disappointment. Oh, nice. <laughs> which, uh, if, any, if anybody's interested, they can find it at the usual kind of channels and places and, you know, uh, Spotify, Bandcamp, all that stuff. All right, awesome. If anybody's interested, but... Um, sure. if, if, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the Lemon Drops, it ain't, it ain't too far removed from that, so a similar kind of thing. Awesome. All right, well, uh, yeah, once again, you were a great guy. Thank you. I got to thank Steve Michener, a uh, good friend, uh, Steve Yay. Michener from uh, Big Dipper for uh, Big sending Dipper. you our way. He's he's our, he's our uh, the podcast uh, booker because he, <laughs> he finds great guys, uh, great people, uh, musicians to talk to. So uh, I appreciate it's that. Funny, it's funny, really, because when the Lemon Drops were on tour in 1988, and uh, was it 1988 or 90? It might have been 90, I think. And um, we uh, we did uh, the Dipper played with us for I think it was six shows on the East Coast, and it was great for me because I'd already got the um, the uh, uh, Craps album, which oh, I really right, liked, right. and it was just as they had put the Slam album out, the Major Labor one. Yes, and uh, it was great. I mean, I loved them. Like I watch them every night, and you know, I'd kind of chat with them occasionally and stuff. And so it was great. It was brilliant. But so, because oh, good, good times, yeah. same with same too, too much joy as well. With uh, with the, the last two Eleven Drops ever did was in '92 was with too much joy and material issue. Oh, nice, nice, yeah, and and too much joy. They're they just they're just putting out new music right now. I guess the pand- also are, the same yeah. thing. The pandemic, they didn't have anything else to do. So <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I'll see Tim Ryan again. I, I saw him. Um, he was out a couple of years ago when. Um, the Mekons played out here, and uh, we yes, met up. And he's a huge we Mekons fan. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I listen to the show. I know. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, he is. 
<laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Once again, David, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, don't forget, guys, you could follow us on social media. You could email me at trgmh33 at gmail.com. If you have anything, you know, nice to say, if you have anything horrible to say, that's fine. I could take it. I'm a yeah. big boy. Uh, subscribe to the shows. Don't forget to share us. Uh, and uh, most importantly, if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh and become a patron. Thanks a lot, David. Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. Cheers, man. Awesome. All right. Whatever. Bye. Bye. Bye.